That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Jake, we got to talk about Amos. We got to talk about uh, Timothy and Jesus. But before we get to that, how is St. Jacob? You know, uh, St. Jacob is um, just hoping I'm serving one master instead of two. So anyway, uh, anyway, I'm all right. You know, we're just getting ready for kickoff Sunday and uh, doing all the heavy lifting, getting ready for, um, yeah, a couple of weeks. So I'm excited about everything going on at St. George's. New team, um, you know, new starts, new beginnings. So, um, you know, in an old building. (laughs) A whole new world. Yeah. Well, we've so, already and, we've already kicked off here in Waco, and uh, we had kolaches. Do you know what a, you know what a Central Texan means when they say kolache? I have no idea. It's some sort of derivation of a Czech word. Uh, big big Czech population in this part of Texas. Oh, yeah. And it's like a pastry kind of thing. Apparently, there's a big debate. A lot of people when they say kolache, they mean sort of like a it's sort of like a a yeasty roll stuffed with egg, cheese, or sausage, uh, and uh, Ooh, I like sort of that. like a big pig in a blanket. But apparently, that's that's actually the real purists will tell you that a real kolache is more of a sweet Danish, as opposed to like a savory. But I'm 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 definitely down with the savory thing. Anyway, so we had those at our kickoff Sunday. Well, so a lot of people came. So you had, that's what we did. That was the lure, the worm on the hook. Are Are you telling me you had text check? <laughs> That's exactly right. Instead of Tex-Mex, it's, or it can maybe Tex-Check. Or Check-Tex, I don't know. I don't know how you say it, but yeah, it's interesting. A lot more to Texas than meets the eye. Uh, yeah, well, you've got a big German population there. and Yeah, Germany. Um, if you get down to Houston, most diverse city in America, so you've got an enormous, uh, like, South Asian, you got a huge Vietnamese community, you got... Uh, mm-hmm. People from all over the African continent. It's it's pretty fascinating. I know the Episcopal Church in Houston has has an Indian congregation, uh, a Nigerian congregation, a Sudanese congregation. Uh, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. And the and the wow. largest uh, Hispanic congregations in the Episcopal Church. So there you go. Are in Houston? Yeah. Just uh, wow. and I have nothing to do with that, but uh, I am part of the diocese, so I'm just <laughs> trying to pat myself on the back. That's really exciting. It is. Well. So. Speaking of God and people and God working through different kinds of people, uh, I guess we should get in these readings. This is for the the 15th Sunday after Pentecost, and this is going to be people preaching on September 18th. This is the first day that our new associate rector at St. Albans Waco will be ascending into the pulpit, so we'll see what he does with these passages. That's very exciting. Uh, he did text me. He was like, thanks a lot for these really easy passages. I was like, you're welcome. <laughs> uh, this is our kickoff Sunday, so um, this is when we're all back. The choir's back. 
Sunday school's back. The Backstreet Boys are back. It's going to be awesome. That's right. And they're going to hear. And I'm going to preach on the. So I'm taking notes. <laughs> so we're we're yeah, they're going to we're doing track two through this uh, podcast. There's track one, mm-hmm. which is one option in the Episcopal Church and the Revised Common Lectionary. But we're doing track two. The Episcopal and Gospel readings are the same, but the difference is in the Old Testament reading. So with track two, a little shorter. It's going to be this Amos reading, chapter mm. eight, verses four through seven. And this is uh, one of those uh, uh, passages that does not, it doesn't, doesn't try to be subtle uh, here. So it begins no, with... Amos is, Amos is not pleased. This is what people are going to hear on Kickoff Sunday at Calvary St. George's. <laughs> hear this, you that trample on the needy and bring to ruin the poor of the land. And Jake, you're going to read that and hold out your bony finger and point at people right that's right so uh yeah what if you were preaching on this brief passage which mentions a new moon and these weird ancient near eastern units of measure the ephah and the shekel uh what are you going to say about this well i'm going to talk about everybody who's against college debt relief (laughs) (laughs) last episode was spicy too i like how we're going just kidding i know i think you know to really preach this passage well is uh, you have to really set it in the context of uh, amos and uh, talk about the um you know the uh how basically religion tends to honor god with the outside uh, but the inside tends to be very far and uh, you know you had uh, this 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 very case happening in um in uh, amos's day you know you had uh the people of Israel saying and saying one thing, and then um, doing another, and so um, and uh, he says at the end, and this is the money shot that I would go. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their deeds. <laughs> well, this is terrifying, and uh, this is um, how life is with the old covenant. Mm. Uh, this is how life is under the law. Um, God never forgets any of our deeds. And our problem is, as we say in the confession, not the things done, but the things left undone. The problem is, as we say in our confession, not the things known, but the things unknown. And so uh, this is where uh, we need to relate to God via the new covenant and where the gospel comes in and where Jesus on the cross bears all of our wounds. And indeed, in him, our sins are as far from us as the east is from the west. Uh, You know, um, the north is to the south and um, uh, plunges to the very depths of the sea. And uh, God uh, wipes away all of our sin and sees us through the perfect righteousness of his son, Jesus. Yeah. So that's kind of how I would tackle Amos. Well, that's great. And I think you are right, though, to bring up... um and I know our listeners probably have different views on this, but the recent example of student loan debt forgiveness, this does bring up some really interesting questions because this passage is very much about how God's people treat poor people. And there is this image in the culture about this student loan debt forgiveness, like of this irresponsible college student who borrowed a ton of money to study gender and women's studies at some private liberal arts school and then dropped out with six figures in debt and now is making coffee somewhere, uh, which is not the standard picture of a person who is uh, struggling with student loan debt in this country. If you look at the actual people, it is 
folks who borrowed relatively small amounts of money to go to either for-profit universities, which typically had very poor education standards, or to go to community colleges. So these are people that borrowed $8,000, $10,000, $15,000, um, and because there were often very difficult situations, they didn't finish school. Uh, and then what happened, and this is where I'm getting somewhere with this, and I'm not going on a harangue or a rant here, but um, the ones who loaned them the money often, which was the federal government, uh, then gave um, private companies, for-profit companies, the responsibility to manage the debt and you know send you your statement in the mail or whatever. Um, and they also raised the interest rate. So there was a lot of stuff that if you owed this debt, it was very hard to, you know, if you try calling to change your cell phone service, you know how that customer service is like maddening. It was the same thing for many of these folks as well, but even worse. Um, all that to say is that's an example of trampling on the needy and ruining the poor of the land. I'm not trying to blame or be partisan about it, but that is an example of taking somebody who's struggling and in a bad way and making things even worse for them and there are people at the top of the heap that are getting rich in the process and people might call me a bleeding heart people might say well folks have to take personal responsibility uh everybody well, that's, everybody that's says the, that, that until it happens to them if you've ever tried to go yeah. up against the man and found yourself um, fighting against powers bigger than you so this is what's saying is you don't want to be the if you you can you can be a hard-nosed people should pull themselves up by their bootstraps and I'm not going to cry for them, Argentina kind of person. But you can't do that on the basis of the scriptures because the Bible here mm. says you don't trample on the needy and you don't bring ruin to the poor of the land. And it doesn't say don't trample on the needy who are the good needy people. Don't ruin the poor who are the deserving righteous poor. It just, people are, rich people are good and bad. Poor people are good and bad. There were, there were quote unquote bad poor people then. Just there are bad rich people then well, and now. So all that to say is the kind of people that are based on God's yeah. understanding universe are people I, that don't want to trample on the needy and bring ruin to the poor of the land. Uh, and then I'll talk about idolatry yeah. in a second and Sabbath keeping. But well, what were you going to say, Jake? Well, I do want to just say that, I mean, whatever, wherever you're at on this particular thing, and there's a variety of opinions, it is interesting that you are seeing the scandal of the gospel in some ways play out. The fact that, you know, whether they were bong smoking women's studies majors or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? We hate the fact that somebody gets away with something. Yeah. You know, you're like, this is the scandal. I've so been working what? the whole day in the heat of the morning. How come the like, guy who came at the yeah. end gets the full day's wage too? That's not fair. But, you know, like, okay, so like, you know, first generation immigrant kid work, got a crappy loan from a junior college. Wonderful. But so what? It's the dude who went to Wesley and smoked bong riffs all day long and, you know, and then, you know, had this massive, this massive day. Who cares? We're, we're not, we're not um, criticizing anybody who does that. What we're saying no. is that is a caricature that people use, uh, which shows that you're still, and based on then people that use that character have a certain value system. And they're saying that if you are that kind of person, you have less value and therefore you don't deserve anything. And that's a that was a, that would be a caricature used on the, the political right. But there's also a caricature on the political left. And either way, you're trying to say that we're operating in this world of who deserves the good stuff and who doesn't deserve the good stuff. Yeah. And, and both of those things and are rejected by another of the gospel. And so what I'm saying is, is that you have an illustration of the gospel in the, like the, the Ted Cruz kind of illustration of who got the, 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 um, 
the debt relief. You know what I mean? It is like, who cares? Like, that is like the beautiful thing. Yeah, um, that's they right. They didn't do anything and they got $10,000. That's, um, it is how, the, the point is, is how we got our backs up about that. Yeah. Is, is the same way people get their backs up about Jesus. Again, anytime you're really concerned about what's fair, there may be good reason for that, but you're not in the territory of the gospel. Um, mm-hmm. There could be other things, but it's not gospel mm-hmm. territory. The other thing that's going on in this passage, and we've spent way too much time on this, and we've lost a lot, a lot of listeners. But the other, Although this would be a this would be a future great show. <laughs> like, I mean, I've been talking about this. You and I talking politics Woo! and all sorts of stuff from the gospel, like like the, the, the Brother Gibbs talk show with uh, Jimmy Fallon and uh, Barry Gibb, played by Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Talk about politics. Uh, the um, ours would be way more interesting. The because so, um, we actually read. That's right. No, just so the new moon over. <laughs> this is a great example of Hebrew poetry because it says, "When will the new moon be over so we may sell grain?" Which you don't know what that's talking about, but then it it rhymes it not in sound or words, but in ideas. <laughs> when will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain and the Sabbath so we may offer wheat for sale? So what he's saying, new moon is the end of the month, and it's referring to a holiday in the Hebrew calendar, which is related to Sabbath. Basically saying, when is the is the bank holiday over, slash religious holiday? When is, it's, it's Ebenezer Scrooge. When is Christmas over so I can get back to making money? And I don't want to give Bob Cratchit a single day off because it means I'm losing some money, but, um, and I resent this holiday. That's what they're saying. We want the stock market to open so that I can start trading right now uh, so I can make myself rich and I hate having to take this vac- this vacation. Um, and then they're going on, so that's one thing, saying I, I hate doing what God wants me to do. I'm observing the Sabbath, but I don't like it and I can't wait till it's over so I can go back to making money. The second thing is we'll make the ephah small and the shekel great. We'll practice deceit with false balances. This is putting the thumb on the scale. This is uh, um, materially misleading statements filed with the SEC, uh, or uh, if you're if you're a CEO of a company, putting something on Twitter that will drive up the value of your stock, and then you sell all the stock, but you know it's false. That's the kind of stuff. Um, buying the poor for or, sale. yeah, selling or, the sweepings of the your, week, or that's... raising or raising your prices and blaming it on inflation. Ooh. Gouging. Yeah. selling the sweepings of the week, or uh, you know, supply chains. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. this, it, it's all apical. I just keep having Bone Thugs and Harmony the first of the month <laughs> running through my mind. You know that song? <laughs> this is the real Jake We show need to move through. on to First Timothy. I will say so, the anyway. sweepings of the wheat, what that is, is when you, to thresh wheat, you, you um, or when you grind it, there's like stuff that's, there's like sawdust, basically. It's like the trash on the floor. But they would sweep it up and kind of mix in with the flour. It's like, uh, you know, uh, selling... Uh, selling olive oil, but really you just bought some really cheap old palm oil and you just put some food coloring in it or something like that. Yeah. It's like you're cheating people. Uh, and this is, again, all this stuff is stuff that God hates. So like somebody that was recently selling um, shirts that were branded as made in the USA, but really they were all made in China and they just cut the tags off and sewed <laughs> made in the USA tags on it. That's the kind of stuff that this is talking about. still ha- happens all the time. And we spent a lot of time on these... Uh, four verses, five verses, but uh, it's clearly very relevant. And I will say, uh, to get to the gospel on this, yeah, to get to the gospel, because this is all true, this is stuff that God hates, and this is all law, like be honest and all that. Um, I think where you can get to the gospel on this is that um, God cares a lot about fairness, 
and he should, and he wants to bring about a just and fair world, and that is our calling uh, as Christians. But if there's anybody out there who is not just or fair, who, if anybody out there who has been deceitful or dishonest, who's um, ch- who's cheated on their taxes just a little bit, who's lied to get out of a um, lawsuit or a traffic ticket, if there's anybody out there who's done that, thankfully, when it comes to forgiving sins, God is not fair in that our Lord Jesus Christ takes all the sins of the world on him uh, so that we could be free. So... That's a whole lot. That's a mouthful on Amos. These, uh, these. I never even thought we could talk that much on Amos, but we did. But look, so we had coming in hot. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Okay, and if you have any questions about this and uh, the political implications, just email Jacob Smith at mm-hmm. I don't care at gmail.com. Just kidding. He does care. We do care. First <laughs> um, Timothy two one through seven. This is. Um, uh, this advice for Timothy, the young pastor, by Paul or somebody close to Paul, uh, the first of two letters, chapter two here, and uh, there's a lot in here. This is kind of a bit of a grab bag, and he goes from the very specific, the very particular, to kind of this universal thing. So he's giving advice uh, about how you should pray and does things that we do in the Episcopal Church every Sunday, which is we pray for kings and all who are in high positions. That is to say, we pray for our President Joe, just like we prayed for our President Donald, and before that we prayed for our President Barack, and all that. And many people have told me if they're new to the Episcopal Church, I just, it's amazing to me that you pray for whoever's in office, and by their Christian name. I said, yeah, we do, because this is what it says to do in First Timothy too. And it says, we pray for them, not so that we may seize the levers of power and make the government in our own image, but so that we may have good and just, in the presumption here, secular leaders, Roman mm-hmm. emperors is what they're thinking about, who are not moral and not ethical and not Christian. Because uh, the desire of the Christian is to lead a quiet and peaceable life in godless dignity. And there's a reason for this, too. This is very specific. And, uh, and it's the same for Christians who face like severe persecution who maybe live in Islamic republics or in like places like North Korea. You know, you offer supplications, prayers, and intercession, thanksgivings to be made for everyone, but including the people of um, high power so that we may live a peaceable and godly, like a peaceful life in godliness and dignity. I mean, that's a good thing, but it's right and acceptable also because this enables uh, where where people can live peacefully. This allows the advancement of the gospel. Mm. You know, uh, where you have like a person who, a dictator who actually thinks they are God, mm. uh, you know, as in the Roman world, this was, uh, this was stopped. Uh, you see this in North Korea. You see this in that place, China. Um, it's like, you know, it is stopped. Uh, you saw this in the Soviet Union for a long time, that the gospel is, um, it's very dangerous and deadly to preach the gospel and difficult to do so. But we pray for this. So for the for, for a very specific reason, and that is for the preaching of the gospel that everyone might, uh, because God desires it to be saved and come to know the knowledge of the truth. Now, why is that? Well, it's this beautiful hymn that he writes there. And this is the verse that is quoted uh, in the 1928 and in the right one of the Book of Common Prayer, uh, Mm -hmm. the current 79 Book of Common Prayer, this one mediator and advocate. This is how the Eucharistic Mm -hmm. prayers end in in right one. And this is to say that uh, there's not many mediators. We're not, um, I don't get to mediate my relationship with God. 
it, there's one who's done it for me. And it says that he has given himself as a ransom for all. And this is mm-hmm. one of the many ways that the New Testament describes the death of Jesus and how it does something for us. This is this great mystery. How does his death impact me? And this passage here is drawing on this idea that he's a, a ransom, a payment for something. And a ransom is paid when somebody is trapped, when somebody is stuck in a situation they can't get themselves out of. Um, a kidnapped person or somebody who's held hostage. You pay money to get them out. And Jesus, this is how they're understanding this event, that Jesus gives himself up and thereby frees us. And and because of that, that's why the preeminent thing, the, the desire of God, love this emotional language, what God wants, what God desires is for everyone to be saved. And mm. little gets, you know, there's one of these passages in the scriptures that gets dangerously close to universalism. Um, and I'm not one, but uh, I, I want to be one because God wants everyone to be saved too. So, um, mm-hmm. and, and so and, uh, this is because of this, this is the most important thing um, that that's why I want to live a quiet and peaceable life and godless in dignity and not be persecuted and, and, yeah. and silence. We want to be able to just do the, do the work that God's given us to do. Hmm. Yes, absolutely. So and uh, and and Saint Paul is telling the truth. He's not lying. Mm. You know that's the uh, other powerful thing about Christianity, is that it doesn't rest on feelings. It doesn't rest on assumptions. It doesn't rest on the idea of this works for you. you know he's not saying you know it's worked for me. It might work for you. Like that's not the point. He is testifying to something. Uh, he's testifying to the truth. He's not lying. And uh, if he is, well, as he said late earlier, your, um, well, as he said in another epistle, your faith is in vain. Yeah. So. And I'll say, you know, one of the ways I, I, I pray a lot for people who follow Jesus around the world, but in this country, it seems like a lot of Christians have failed to hear these words in First Timothy about living your life in godliness and dignity, quiet mm. and peaceable life. And... Um, and the reason I know it is because many public Christians, and me, not all by any means, but there are more than I would like, uh, who in the name of Jesus speak in a way that mocks other people who don't agree with them. Yeah, that's and right. If that's and, and I'm sure I have done this in my life as well, if not in public, in private, or in my heart. And it's just I, I'm feeling uh, um, convicted and the importance of living a quiet and peaceful life in godliness and dignity. And that means you don't get to mock people who disagree with you. It mean, doesn't mean it means you don't get to make fun of people who disagree with you. Mm. You shouldn't be owning anyone. You should be living a quiet and peaceful life in godliness and dignity. So, mm. gosh, we are so so. so this has been long-winded. Yeah, clearly. Let's wrap it up. Okay, twenty minutes this in. This is such a good. This Luke is such chapter a, sixteen. Good, good passage. So this is an amazing parable about. Um, about this, uh, this rich man and the manager just squandering everything, and uh, he eventually gets fired. And, um, and uh, when he gets fired, what does he do? Well, he goes around and he begins to uh, slash prices everywhere. You know, um, he, takes ju- he takes 100 jugs of olive oil and takes the bill and makes it 50. And, you know, 100 containers of wheat and makes it 80, etc., etc., etc. And uh, the guy, the manager, is commended for his shrewdness. Uh, 
he's commended for basically stealing. This is not in the Episcopal Church's handbook for best business practices for congregations, I got to tell you. No. Like, this is fraud. This is embezzlement. Squandering his property means that this guy he'd hired, it's like the president of the bank has hired somebody to be in charge of loans, and uh, this guy has just, like, uh, he's stolen money to to get a nice car and a nice house for himself, and then when he's caught, instead of firing him right away, for whatever reason, the president of the bank says... I'm giving you notice. You're, you'll be gone in a week. So the guy takes that last week to steal as much as he can and, like, steal. But now he's going to give it away to other people so that they owe him when he gets out so that when he's without a job on the street, uh, he can go to them and say, hey, I did you a favor. I mean, it's all, yeah. And the reason this parable is so controversial. He's just forgiving student loans left and right. Ah, <laughs> You did it. You went there. <laughs> I know, I know. And I saw you were thinking of it. So, <laughs> so uh, he's he's reducing people's debt, and and um, so that he can have, so that they can owe him when he gets out of this job. And Jesus praises this guy for it. He praises this dishonest embezzler uh, for this work, and because he says. Um, that you know the the children of this age, the the secular people, uh, they are shrewd, wise. In I mean, they clearly don't have ethics, but they they are they're clearly clever in how they deal with money. And he says, shouldn't we be in a in an ethical way making friends for ourselves by means of dishonest wealth? And that word here, dishonest wealth, is a one. It's one word, mammon. Uh, which mm. kind of comes? It's a it's a, a Aramaic word that comes from treasure, but it it also kind of means as as the translation tries to get dishonest wealth. It's like when you put all your hope and trust and identity kind of in your money. It's it has this idea of almost idolatry, like worshiping mm-hmm. of money. Um, I, so that's that's what it is here. And he says, yeah, I it, think he when, says use it to make friends for yourself and use it to help other people. Give it away and. Yeah, that's kind of what he's saying. Robert Farrah Capon writes about this parable. He says, The unique contribution of this parable to our understanding of Jesus is its insistence that grace cannot come to the world through respectability. Mm. Respectability regards only life, success, and winning. It will have no truck with the grace that works by death and losing, which is the only kind of grace there is, end quote. And I think, you know, as you preach this parable, you need to see Jesus in it. The parable illustrates Jesus's life and purpose. Um, it illustrates how the gospel actually works. You know, Jesus wasn't respectable. He heard, he broke of the Sabbath. He was friends with sinners and tax collectors, and he died a criminal. But in his death, in that firing, we, all those who owe an unpayable debt, we're the ones who benefit we're the ones who have our slates not just reduced, but wiped totally clean. Mm. And that's what it means when the master commends the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. Uh, or in other words, this is my well-beloved son. Listen to him. Yep. Take the, um, take the um, unrespectable grace and cling to it with your whole heart. But then it ends with this weird thing where it's like almost like Jesus is like, but now here's the to-do list. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like... Uh, you know, who's going to be faithful with much? Faithful with little is faithful with much. And I remember someone literally told me that when I first became a Christian. I was in college and I was like, I mean, I was a mess. And uh, uh, 
And I remember I got a job at this crazy place called the Buffalo Exchange, which is kind of like a high-end thrift shop. <laughs> it's just like potheads working there. But anyway, not all Buffalo Exchanges, but uh, you know, the one I was at. But anyway, and I was just like, man, I got I'm not going to this party. And my friend like literally was like, that's because you're a Christian and you're being faithful with little things and God's gonna make you faithful with much. And it was just like this whole thing. And then when I did go to a party, um, you know, I felt like I'd just totally blown it. But, uh, but this isn't about you peering into the hidden things of God to be more faithful. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the problem is, is that we're like totally split personality all the time. I vacillate all the time, and so do people in your congregation between serving at least two masters. And most of the time we're fooling ourselves to thinking that we're only serving one, and we're just praying that the one doesn't recognize the other. We're a mess. Um, but, but. Jesus knows how faithless we actually are. He knows all of our fears. And I'm going through this right now with like a whole building kind of scandal. And it's like really causing me like to question my fears and my trusts and my loves. And I'm realizing I don't really rely on Jesus all that much. You know what I mean? I'm shocked. But nonetheless, we have an advocate with the Father, as uh, the guy in Hebrew says. And he's the advocate for all us shabby debtors. Um, and, uh, man, he's faithful and just to forgive us because where we love wealth, Jesus loves God. Where we pursue comfort and profit, Jesus always goes to the cross. And where we're faithless with little, Jesus for you is faithful with much and is demonstrated in his resurrection from the dead that he has now been given eternal riches, grace, love, and mercy. And he gives it to scoundrels like you and I. So um, that's how I would preach this particular passage. Be a little honest. Yeah. And uh, cling to the Savior. Yeah. And I think I think there is, uh, I think Jesus, this is also one of those examples of him raising the law to its highest pitch. And it's 100% true in order that we see our need. You cannot serve God and wealth or mammon. And yet everybody does. Everybody tries to do <laughs> yeah. that. Or is divided yeah. in some way. And so this is Jesus holding up a mirror so that we'll say, who will rescue me from this body of death? Yeah. Um, Just so, can we bring it full circle? I remember one time, you know, um, so nobody knows really where we are politically. I remember one time I was at a conference in uh, in a country and the, they, for some reason I got on the day use to talk about like, um, to talk about the earth and climate change. And uh, a particular, uh, a high-ranked clergy person in this particular church, it wasn't the Episcopal Church, but said, you know, that um, uh, uh, climate justice is, should be the church's new gospel. And they asked me what I thought about that. And I said, if that's the case, then all of you need to walk home right now and leave your, um, leave your cars in the parking lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. The truth is, is that when this is really applied to our lives, you're absolutely right. This is the law at the highest pitch. Not a single one of those bishops left their Audis in the parking lot. Mm. Not a single one of those bishops threw their like iPhones away and got off their Instagram accounts so that they might relieve those giant batteries in Germany that are holding all that information. They didn't do it. And uh, the truth is, is that we, um, we are not the faithful ones. Yeah. Uh, we are faithless. Uh, but we have a God who's faithful to us and won't let us go. And it's in realizing that we're loved in our faithlessness. Uh, well, there might be moments that the Spirit actually works and we do something and demonstrate some faithfulness and live in charity with our neighbor. Amen. Well, that'll do it for... Dang, dude. I know. That'll do it. I thought this was going to be like a, you know, 
this was going to be like a 12 minute episode, <laughs> but here it is. So. But it was anyway. like the last seven chapters of John's gospel is what it was like. Like, Jesus, stop talking. Come on, wrap yeah. it up. Land the plane. <laughs> or like when St. Paul was preaching and uh, that kid fell asleep and fell out the window and died, but Paul brought him back to life. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next right, week. everybody. Keep preaching next the gospel. Week. And uh, yeah, that's all you got to do. God bless you. Bye. Bye. Somebody's looking. Somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him. But three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song. Hope you found some gospel nuggets for the pulpit or for your life. If you like what you heard, leave a review or rating in Apple Podcasts. Dave Zoll will be sad if you don't. Thanks to TJ Hester for audio production. And remember to keep that Bible by your bedside ready to rock and roll.